0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. Our host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Ciao, everybody. Dan was in Italy, but since he's been back, the Mets started losing, so now he's got to go back.
1: Yes, I, I, I took trip it to Italy, <laughs> uh, a completely unrelated, booked long before Syracuse announced They were going to Italy right after I left uh trip. Um, it was lovely. It was very, very hot. Uh, it was very different, but I'm home now, and now uh, our lovely basketball team is over there, getting you know doing us a nice little preview of what we're going to expect uh, this fall and this winter.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit um, for those who are looking for planning purposes. Um, ignoring the dogs in the background, um, first half we're going to talk uh, mostly about kind of Syracuse basketball in Italy. Uh, Second half, we're going to be talking ACC Atlantic preview. Uh, We won't really be talking a ton about Syracuse in that because next week is what is usually our most popular episode of the year, the uh, Syracuse football season preview, Uh, this being the most probably joyful and triumphant version of it we've ever had. So uh, we'll we'll be saving up plenty of of, of SU football chatter for that. But first and foremost... um, Basketball team. They looked iffy in game one. They looked pretty damn good in game two against uh, Oxygen Bassano. Which sounds like a fun name to, uh, to call a team. And uh, probably most notable of all is that as she was running an actual offense in, in game two, uh, there was a lot of passing. Uh, Brahma Sidibe had 15 rebounds. There was there were I think, 16 threes. Um, hit in the game, uh, buddy Bayheim was, uh, was extremely good and everybody except for like one walk on scored, which was also entertaining.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we, we had an idea that this was going to be a more three point oriented team, um, with buddy with, uh, a couple of the other guys who brought in Joe Gerard, obviously as a three point shooter. Um, but these first two games really showed like about half their shots are coming from beyond, from distance. Um, they haven't shot super well until, like, the third quarter of this game that we just played, uh, where they, I think, they hit 8 for 14 in that frame. Um, but Buddy came on uh, pretty hot, and he's been doing both games from deep. Um, we we saw a number of guys hit threes, including, like, Robert Braswell, um, and, and I don't think Quincy Guerriere uh, hit one today, but he attempted one. He, I think, he hit one in the last game. So um, this is going to be a team that's going to stretch of the floor. Um, and, we you know, we haven't even seen, like, you know, Marek, has obviously not played because of the injury. He's not a prolific three point shooter, but we saw that become a bit more of uh his team uh, this season than it was last or last season than it was his, his freshman year. So um, I think we're going to have a lot of, a lot of nights or a lot of uh, looks where there aren't going to be a ton of guys that you can't, uh, you can't expect a three from maybe just the centers. Uh, and that's, that's a nice difference because we've had some very, very uh, offensively challenged teams because of the lack of three point shot. And, uh, Hopefully that changes this year. Um, Obviously we want to see the the percentages go up a little bit, but I think uh, you see where the focus is.
0: Yeah. and I mean, this is, you know, a much more modern Syracuse basketball team, at least for the time being, like this isn't, you know, the full complement of guys. So this is much more small ball, a lot more three-point shooting, but it does remind me kind of, and I know like John Rothstein a couple of weeks ago, like kind of alluded to this, like not having a go-to guy could be, you know, really critical for this SU team in recent years we've, We've been very much focused on kind of isolation play and and one to two, you know, go to guys in a given game, whether that's, you know, Tyus Battle or O'Shea Brissett or Frank Howard at times, uh, Trevor Cooney, Benajay, people like that. Um, But like going back to like 2013, um, 2014, like those teams were kind of similar to this one in the sense that they you know, didn't have this go-to scoring option necessarily. They had a lot of guys who could do a lot of different things with the basketball and, and were able to play, you know, both inside and out. And, and that really, you know, made them a much better and more efficient offense. Um, this year's team hopefully functions similarly because they're probably, I mean, and it wasn't apparent in this game, but they're probably going to take, you know, at least a sort of step back on, on the defensive end, given how many guys are new to the zone. But at the same time, like that's what, these Italy games could be really good for is, is creating that kind of uh, you know coherence and, and cogency uh, with the zone and a lot of these younger guys who haven't necessarily um, had the game experience in it yet that maybe a more veteran team like last season's did uh, going into the year.
1: Yeah, and I think, I don't know how much of it they played today, but I think they played a little bit of man the first, uh, the first game. And going into this trip, Bayheim basically said we're going to experiment a little bit with man. Just, you know, we're going to see if we can do it uh here and then if we can't do it at dawn, um but it'll be interesting to see if that like it just seems like Bayham's really opening up the book a little bit which is which is a nice change uh, obviously we've had some serious success in the last couple of years especially in the NCAA tournament but it hasn't always been the prettiest process to get there um so I think most of us will welcome like a more team-oriented approach without a daily ties battle or or Michael Benajay to dominate uh, things, um, not to take anything away from those guys, they did what they they had to, and they were great players for us. But um, I do think, like once we get into the season, like Elijah Hughes, I think will probably settle into that number one option. But when you have a guy like Buddy Beheim, who can you know heat up like crazy, as we saw at the end of last year, and and in this team today, and uh, and Quincy, who's expected to be a pretty strong player for us overall uh, to start, like as a freshman, I think he has pretty high expectations. Um, if Joe Girard is, is a factor right away, and he's obviously a, a dive's table getting hot, hopefully Jalen Carey may, takes that big step that we've heard so much about. Um, if we have all these different options, we don't have to rely on just Elijah or just Buddy to to get some serious offense knowing, I think it will be something that uh, our fans will definitely welcome after you know these very ISO-oriented uh, years we've had recently.
0: Yeah, it's amazing what some uh, what some chicken parm will do for Jim Beheim and his philosophy on uh, on offense.
1: I um, truly don't even think I saw chicken parm <laughs> on a menu when I was over there. No, it's um, it's not a thing. It's it's not a thing. Um, had just, like, you, just I mean, there are things. That, I mean, I bet you could find a, a approximation. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. We didn't go to Parma, so maybe they have it. But no, in in the, the all the stops I made, uh, of which I had a, a number of Italian things you could find here in the states, chicken parm was not on the list. Yeah.
0: Well, a lot of, admittedly, and this is not going to go into an uh, Italian food deep dive, I swear, um, a, a lot of the like Italian regions and cities all have like their kind of specialty dishes and a lot of their, um, I mean, similar to here in many ways, not for Italian food but or other foods, like most of the you know restaurants are going to kind of lean into that. So I think you probably noticed that. I know I noticed that when I was there a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, and, and Chicken Parm, yeah, m- maybe Parma, maybe somewhere else, like there's just not, like. You're not going to see as much of like a, uh, a restaurant or, or a chef, um, you know, exploring other regions where the food, because everybody in that region wants to eat that food because they've been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, and I, I didn't, have, I didn't think this going in. You know, I, you know, have Italian family. I'm well aware that uh, Italian food in America is not Italian food in Italy. Um, but it was, it was pretty striking that there are pretty distinct differences, even. Like I didn't go that far. I was we, we went Florence to Rome to Milan, so it wasn't like you know we were like maybe a three hour span total. Um, but there are pretty distinct differences just between those three, and we didn't even dive into like the south or over to like the the more east side of Italy. So, um, yeah, hopefully Jim him will find some food that will that will stay him. Um, in a compartment in Venice or Como or wherever they've been so far.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, I guess wrapping, not wrapping up on basketball necessarily, but talking a little bit a bit more about what you were saying earlier, just kind of in all these varied options. I think for me, like if I'm ranking like who probably ends up being like the guy, like the top like three to four scores on a given night, it's probably Elijah, then Quincy Guerrier, then Buddy. And then I think that fourth option is really up for grabs. And I think that more than anything else is kind of where, you Know this team could thrive is the fact that, like, in years past, I think that fourth option's either been non existent or has been very, uh, like, apparent. I think this year, there's a lot of guys who can fill that role, like, anyone from Marek to you know, on a given night, Baram Sadibi, depending on you know, what's what, what the other team has out there in terms of big men. Uh, Robert Braswell seems to have taken some you know, strides forward. Uh, Bryson Goodine's another guy who you know, could get get hot, and then Jalen Carey, like. You know, I, I think he can be a really good distributor. We'll see how much of a of scorer he can be. Um, but yeah, ha- having, having numerous guys who can fill kind of that fourth spot that's been kind of vacant the last few years, I think is a, is a huge relief. And even if it's going to take some growing pains uh, to get to the finished product, I, I, I do like what we're, what we're starting to see like come to fruition.
1: Yeah, I'm really uh, intrigued to see what our, our low post game uh, looks like. Actually, we've heard really good things about uh, Sidibe uh, over in Italy. Um obviously we've heard good things about john Bolajac, who unfortunately can't play on this trip, um, from practices over at Use. And then obviously Marek, you don't want him playing a lot of center, but we've seen that this offense to be super dangerous when he's in the middle because he's such a good passer. And it sounds like Rama also has improved, like he had a nice takeout to, to Gerard, I think, at the end of the game for the last bucket. Um so it, it sounds like we're definitely working on some stuff. Uh uh, moving into outside in kind of like that older look when we had AO in there. We, I feel like we dumped it off the AO to start pretty much every game for like two years um, because he was such a, uh, it was such a good way to set the tone and get things going uh, and, and open up things on the outside. Um, so it'd be nice to see that, not just, you know, the, the guard dribbling at the top of the tee and running down 14 seconds off the clock and then going from there. Um, I'm, I'm, I think this trip, obviously I, I've, you know, only seen what, what we've, what's been made available to us. But um, I think this trip so far what we've heard from it uh, has definitely made me more excited for this team. And I was already, you know, pretty bullish and, and optimistic for what's supposed to be, you know, a pretty young group that we uh, have yet to learn a lot about. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, we really, you know, shocked some people this year because I, I think the expectations are very muted, understandably, given how much turnover there's been and how young this group is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been not pleasantly surprised. I, I've been, I've been pleased with what I've seen so far. Obviously it's just like a two game stretch. Um, in particular, like the second game is really the one that I'm focusing on from a positivity standpoint. I think like th- th- this is the sort of team that just has, that just has a lot of like great team potential, w- but what they're probably lacking from like a, and again, I'm not like entertaining this, but what they're probably lacking from a championship standpoint, um, and Like, you know, again, let's see where we can go. Like, it's just that, like, one elite player. And, and, and you know, maybe may, maybe Gary is that guy and we just don't know it because he was under scouted up in Canada. Um, although that dynamic's changing too. Like, you know, maybe it's somebody like Hughes who, you know, is really kind of coming to his game and and come to, the, you know, being a better college player in the last couple of years. And I know, like, he's talked about that uh, recently with, like, Syracuse.com and others about like, you know, how he was eating poorly and like, didn't really wasn't focused on conditioning and then how he's changed his game a lot. Like, so maybe it's one of those guys, but realistically, I think like, this is probably like kind of a potential transition year, but there's two ways that could go. There could be a transition year where like we're a fringe tournament team again, that potentially, you know, becomes even better next year with most of the players back and, you know, even more talent added in or, where it was a team that, yeah, like you were kind of alluding to, like could really surprise here um, and then flip a switch and maybe grab something like a seven or a six seed. um, And, and, you know, maybe they lose in the second round, but they look like a a team on the rise. And then that helped attract, you know, even bigger names kind of for for 2020 when we could really kind of take a bigger leap back into the upper echelons of college basketball.
1: Yeah, I mean, on paper, it's way too early to tell, like, who we may lose after this year, but like, there's a good chance that we have one of those seasons where, you know, it's, there's, there's some definitely some rocky periods because we're so young, but if we start to peak by the end and come together in jail and don't lose, I think Hughes is only uh redshirt junior, right? He would have another year. Um So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. There. But like, we yeah, can pretty much one bring back year. everybody. <laughs> yeah. So we could pretty much bring back everybody, you know, add whatever room in the 2020 class we have. Um, that much, that be like really dangerous. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows if we, you know, pick him up Andre Jackson or, or whoever, um, that could be a really dangerous group, especially if, you know, we, we have a it's, it's uh, Jim Bayham will play for him in his M.O., but it's we'll choose from, and maybe we see you know, what we've seen a little bit in the past couple of years, where like situationally, some guys will get more runs, certain names and then Others because we have a pretty diverse group of guys in terms of still set. I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a big key for me. Like everybody can do a little bit of everything. Um, but there's also like, everybody's also clearly good at, at one to two things. Like you have your, your clear three point shooters in buddy and Gerard and, and use, but then other guys can hit threes. And like that, that's just key to the, to the current like game of like more positionless basketball and, and, and a wider array of shooters on the floor at all times. I think, you know, if Marek in particular, like if he's able to develop any sort of like consistent outside shot, like, you know, that that becomes a game changer in a small ball lineup where you have one through five that can hit threes. And like, you know, no, it's not to say that like this is the Warriors <laughs> or anything like that, but um, forcing, forcing teams at the collegiate level to have to guard five positions uh, from outside is, is not exactly like a common thing. And it's something that could really challenge um, opposing teams. I mean, I, I think we're going to see a lot, as long as hopefully knock on what he stays healthy, uh, we should be able to see a lot of at Sadibay this year. Um, he's somebody who's not going to be hitting from outside, but he's somebody that can really, um, you know, balance out that outside shooting by forcing defenses to still uh, hang out in the paint, something they haven't had to do recently with some offensive liabilities at center. I feel like, you know, Sidibe can even put up, and we've said this before, if he can even put up, you know, like, Eight and eight nine and nine like that's a to me like that, that that's a, that's a big big uh, improvement on just kind of what we've seen. I'd love it if instead he was looking at something like twelve and eight um I think that would be like a really like kind of long term goal maybe uh, nonetheless if we can get anywhere near uh you know nine and nine ten and ten a night um, I think we're in pretty good shape
1: yeah if, if we got an eight and eight from Si or just even from the center position as a whole, I think that would be just a huge improvement. We, we haven't really gotten a consistent offensive threat. Uh, I'd probably say till going back to, to Christmas, um, his senior year. Um, obviously, there have been, like, individual performances, but um, it just hasn't been a part of our offense, and I think that's been, you know, a bit of the issue, along with the lack of shooting. So, And if he's going to be able to, to dish out from the center position, um, him, Marek, uh, Ishaq, whoever, um, that can really help if we have four shooting surrounding them. That's just not a look we've had a lot of. Um, so, uh, just very excited to see, like, hopefully a different looking, more more well rounded, more interesting attack. And uh, obviously, this team that we played today was pretty overmatched. Obviously, but um, it seems like we have we're moving in that direction, which is nice.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think we've seen much of like going back his entire career. I don't think we've seen a lot of. You know, Jim Beheim coaching, coaching this type of roster, if only because these types of rosters haven't existed for very long. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what he can do with it. And I think, you know, last year, obviously there were some extenuating circumstances um, that I don't really, no one will ever know what impact everything that happened had on the end of the year. Um, but I would bet that it had some sort of impact. And, and I'd be curious to see Jim kind of, uh, with a full season, with a full offseason, really digest, you know, a more modern offense and and to tailor something a little bit more to, um, which should be again a pretty varied and like diverse group of athletes, um, who can who can hit from outside. So I, I think we're going to be seeing a much more fun and more modern team, and, and I'm looking forward to hopefully being a little more challenged um, on this trip. Not because I want to see SU almost lose, but just because I'd like to see us um, against you know, just better competition and, and to see if we can replicate the same sort of success against a team like that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's hard to really tell what the challenge will be, uh, obviously, because we don't know anything about these teams. I mean, I think today, like on Twitter, there was questions about who this team was and who they had played previously. Um, but, uh, yeah, getting a challenge in the legit games like we did in Canada a couple of years ago, where obviously we know a little bit more about those teams and, and we've seen teams lose up there. Um, would be a good thing. I mean, and even if honestly, even if we did loss, like we've lost dumb exhibitions before and been just fine for it and maybe better for it. So um, this trip's all about, it's way more about growing and, and kind of finding uh, a rhythm as a team and learning how to play together against actual other opponents and not just in practice versus like getting four wins. Getting four wins is great, but you know, if we were to, if we were to lose one of these games and then we ended up, you know, making it on the species team with a very young team, no one's going to ever remember, you know, you lost to some team in Milan for some reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, there'll be like a random like troll fan that'll care, but like, admittedly, whatever. I'm I'm, I'm fine with whatever happens here. I think, yeah, like like you said, like the better the better result here is just team building and, and, and getting a young team or acclimated to to playing together and playing in Jim Mayheim system. So to me, I, I don't really care whatever what, what happens here as long as the team looks like it's it's coming together in some sort of way.
1: Yeah, and by every indication on online, which obviously you know is is only so representative, but it does seem like everyone's having a pretty good time, and this has been a good experience so far. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that's true, and, and everyone's uh, and, and we ride into the season. I think after that candidate was the Canada trip the end year?
0: Yes, the Canada trip was the end year, and I, and I think a lot of people have credited that trip with you know something similar to what we're hoping to hoping to see this year. Which is a team, you know, kind of gel and, and get more acclimated with the zone, despite having not a lot of experience in it going into the season.
1: Yeah, and obviously, I don't think we, anyone expects like a twenty-five and zero start, but uh, I think if you know if there's some kind of similar result where we, we start off hot and and kind of gel quicker than we would have normally, like that's a that's a huge
0: plus. I mean, I'll take a one and zero start. I'll take oh, yeah. There's a series of them. <laughs> yeah, just, just just give me the one 0 start this year. I'd love to just beat UVA and just and just 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 end, end the and the end the parade of. I totally of, forgot we're opening of, with UVA. Yeah,
1: one <laughs> and start
0: would be pretty tremendous. One and start would be pretty tremendous. It could end the parade of like just UVA fans. You're great. Like some of you guys are awesome, but like you guys also have like taken this like celebration a little too far. Like 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 you've celebrated for like ten to fifteen times longer than like Clemson celebrated the national title in football. Like it's getting it's getting super aggressive, and like I'm very much over it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because the, the ACC network's also like, did did you? Because you were probably away when when the news hit that they're they're doing the documentary about UVA.
1: I, yeah, I didn't see that at all.
0: Yeah, they're, they're doing a documentary on the ACC network, and like the whole narrative is like how improbable it was, and like I was just you know Apple. They were
1: awesome for like five years.
0: They were a one seed. <laughs> they like for like the they third time in like, four seasons.
1: Yeah, they were they were a favorite to win it.
0: How Those how on earth? Yeah, how is this the improbable? improbable?
1: The most improbable thing of any of it was that they lost to a 16 the year before.
0: Right. That's what, yeah. That's what I don't understand. Like, and the, and the fact that like UVA fans and like everybody seem to like insist on folding the previous year's failure. When the only real reason you lost probably was because DeAndre Hunter was out. But whatever. Um, but like the fact that now you're using that is a reason why you're better. You're not better because you lost to a one, to a 16 seed the year before. You're significantly worse that season. But then the next season you turn the page because it's college sports.
1: I also, I, I, I'm i totally fine. I get the narrative. It was like a kind of a cool happenstance to have those two things back to back. And like, I, I get, you know, using that as motivation. But then after you win the title, you don't need to use it as motivation anymore. They, like you can put it away. Like yeah, you won the title. Just enjoy the title.
0: They're, they're somehow at like Patriots levels of like no one believes in us.
1: It was very, it was a very Patriot test. Yes, no one, no one believes in New England Patriots to win a Super Bowl. That's, that's, that's uh, always the case. Those are huge underdogs.
0: The, 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 that's the new thing, like for any like title team now, like the Patriots, the Warriors, like these like prolific teams that like just playing up because so no one believes in this bullshit. <laughs> like,
1: I don't even mind the teams doing it so much because people need their motivation, however they get it. The fan, the fans doing it is just like come on. Folks.
0: Well, the problem is now they're taking cues from the teams. Like, yeah. it, it's like if you're gonna do it in the locker room, whatever. But like, like no one believes, no one believes in the Warriors. No one believes in like. I mean, like, I mean, Dabo does this too. Like, nobody believes in Clemson. Like, get the, get the hell out of here. Like, everyone believes in all these in all these programs and all these teams. Like,
1: especially been it, the new trolling for the years is when Clemson is like eleven and zero. We need to just tweet at Clemson people. Like, we really believe you could win this week against Boston College. I just want you to know. I think you're going to hold AJ Dillon to 33 yards. We all believe in you.
0: Yeah, I'd be down for that. I, I'm, I'm fine to piss people off. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, why don't we uh, why don't we talk a little bit about beer? Maybe some wine. For all I know, um, Dan, what have you been drinking?
1: Oh man, it was a whirlwind of drinking. Not a lot of beer, some beer. Um, unfortunately, I forgot to mark down most of the beers I had from over there. I did remember to, to, to untap uh, two beers from uh, Bira de Mare um, and, uh, a Hefeweizen and a half uh, of and a kind of I think a red ale, um, which are both pretty solid. You know, not not blow you away but uh this also wasn't a very uh beer focused trip um we had a lot of wine uh way too much uh went to a couple of vineyards in uh Tustany from florence um which i don't remember the names off the top of my head i can look it up um which were excellent really cool uh vineyard trip one day and then uh some really good cocktails uh, as well that was another big focus um if you're in Milan uh go to the spirit cocktail bar the spirit of uh i forget what the full name of the bar was um but if you look over the spirit it's a cocktail bar in milan and i think they're closed for the next two weeks so i don't know if the people that are over uh there can go now because everyone in italy takes a large vacation in august um but so maybe the best cocktail bar i've ever been to and then there were a couple of really good ones in florence as well so um just uh, a lot of good cocktails a lot of good wine. Um, some good beers as well. Just uh yeah, not not a hard country to, to drink in for sure.
0: Very nice. Yeah. I I recall that feature uh very much when I was there. Um I was also in a place that uh very much enjoys drinks. I was in Boise, Idaho. And got to uh got to enjoy a really cool city. I will highly endorse Boise, Idaho. Um I would move there tomorrow if my wife was alright with it. Because it's super dope. And it's basically like a micro version of Denver. um, Which anyone that's been to Denver probably understands part of that vibe. Um, Super walkable city. Uh, Beer was super cheap. Definitely enjoyed it. Um, I'm definitely going to go back uh, in the the very near term. Potentially like as soon as next year. We'll see. Uh, But some things I had there. um, Had from Payette Brewing Company. uh, Recoil, a, a West Coast IPA that was really, really good. I had a, uh, Zwickle beer from uh, white dog brewing downtown tried out, uh, a from uh, grand Teton brewing Had a uh, thrills for the pills, uh, from edge brewing company. It was just a Czech Pilsner had a uh, Stern privilege, uh, a uh, Vienna lager, uh, from Boise brewing company from Western collective had a peekaboo juice. It was, it was a West coast. It was East coast IPA, but it wasn't like super hazy. Um, also had from Boise Brewing Sun Cruiser. And also had a Dagger Falls IPA from Sockeye Brewing. Um, so mostly Idaho beers there, save a couple here and there. Um, but yeah, super cool city. Again, w- w- would highly endorse Boise, Idaho. Uh,
1: I've heard very good things about Boise from multiple people. I would love to get out there. It's not an easy trip from the Northeast. No. Um, especially when I have to work during college season, which would be the best it's used to do out there. But Hopefully one day, so I would like to see Boise um, in terms of like the uh, like mid-tier, mid mid mid-tier, not mid-tier, mid-sized cities, um, definitely one I would love to see. And that area of the country I haven't really been, been to at all, so.
0: Yeah, I, uh, right now the plan is to go, to wait for SU's schedule to come out, wait for Boise's schedule to come out, and then uh, as long as Boise's at home when SU's on a bye, pick the bye week and uh, kind of head up there for a game. I went to the blue turf though. They're, they let you, they don't let you on it, but they let you right next to it. Um, even when the stadium's, you know, not in operation. So that was cool. I, uh, I walked past practice and they were, uh, it's very different. There's, there, there's not a lot of trap music going on. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of seventies and eighties rock. And at, uh, at Boise state practice. So, uh, so it so kind of, kind of different from most of the, from most of the P5 soundtracks. Yeah. To
1: me, uh, there was, right, this is a, version but what was the uh did you see the magazine quote i have no idea what the article was but the uh reporter who was complaining about all the rap music being played at i don't know if it was nfl or college ball practice
0: no but like, i'm sure they got dragged to hell
1: uh yeah i didn't know who it was i just saw the the, the like piece of it and it was just like horrendous someone okay. would like some uh, someone said like uh i forgot you know some classic rock song played in the middle of a bunch of rap that i was like praising whoever put on with the one song like dude you're i mean again i'm also a sports writer. You're writing about football practice. It's not that, like, you can deal with some rap music being played, man. Like, it's not going to ruin your life.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, granted, like, I I could go for a little less trap. um, Yeah, but
1: but you're also not the one practicing. (laughs) Exactly, so So
0: I don't really care. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, like, that's just, like, a life rule. It's It's not a football practice rule for me. It's just, like, I'm not a fan. Like, I'm not necessarily on board with the just, like, proliferation of only trap and, and and not like other forms of hip hop anymore, but
1: oh, I the, feel you on that, and I think yeah, probably, but like it doesn't doesn't affect I me do, that way a practice. Yes, I do think we're time kind of end exiting the trap here. Right here, I think like twenty nineteen is like where we're starting to see a downturn.
0: Fingers crossed.
1: But I, I am I do support your notion. Um, if I'm ever covering uh, a football practice, I'm not going to go tell the the PA guy to like t- turn off uh, t- turn off whomever. <laughs> like less generic, it's generic excuse, artists that I don't even know anymore. Me. Less ASAP Ferg, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's very much like a forty-year-old sports writer issue, and my, my daughter agrees. Apparently, um, but yeah, Atlantic Division. I know we're uh, we're around the halfway mark, so it's fine. We'll, we'll we'll divert. This is this is directly relevant to Syracuse fans, or at least it should be. Um, we play all these teams. We play all these teams, teams every, every year, actually.
1: Yes, these are the teams that we play.
0: Yeah, every for better year. or worse. For, for last year for better. <laughs> for Yeah, last year for better. Maybe this year for better, too. Uh, my wife was very surprised to learn that we we only go to Duke once in a 12-year span when we were talking on vacation last week. Um, yeah, so so she is also puzzled by the ACC's decisions, um, as, as the rest of us are. And it's not that she doesn't follow. She doesn't really care about the scheduling machinations. Um, that... To be fair,
1: like the notion of only playing a team... Uh, every six years in your conference uh, we talk about this all the time or every 12 years home and home is kind of ridiculous so yeah
0: so yeah she, she, she's among friends here
1: yes no that's that's just logic like <laughs> I could t- you can tell anyone who has a vague idea of what sports are I'd be like oh that's dumb
0: yeah like just just bad but
1: hashtag um, end, end divisions
0: hashtag end divisions hashtag pods hashtag hashtag ACC free for all
1: <laughs> is <the> uh,
0: <laughs> speaking of anarchy uh why don't we start off talking about some dudes oh boy we're, 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 we're gonna talk about the perpetual seven and five team and see if they can avoid going seven and five by being better than seven and five this year i have a feeling they are not and in fact might be worse than seven and five this year
1: it's hard to know because like they get a, a good amount back um they're just like they're, they're both like probably the most boring team stylistically in the Atlantic, but then like the underlying metrics actually make them super weird because of how, like on paper, they should be the most efficient team in the, in the division. And instead, they were the least efficient, except like probably Louisville, um, despite the fact that they have like a power run offense.
0: Yeah, BC's in a race with, with NC State to see who can squander the most pro talent um, on a yearly basis. Uh, NC State gets more wins out of the deal. Uh, but BC manages to uh, just completely look like uh, a sham every season and collapse at the end. And it doesn't really matter who they're facing. It doesn't really matter how well they were playing to date. Um, doesn't matter what the schedule looks like. Uh, they just find a way to not do any better, really, than seven and five or seven and six. Um, as the year of, uh, of Stephen Dazio, thanks last year to the uh, the bowl cancellation that that allowed them to just go seven and five instead. Uh, thank you, First Responder Bowl.
1: I totally a, forgot about the First Responder Bowl. <laughs> oh, what a memory. What a moment.
0: Um, just, just a delight. And, and and this year is just going to be more of that because, you know what? Like, there's, there's not a lot to love here. It's really just like half of an offensive line, some wide receivers that wouldn't matter even if they were four-year veterans. They weren't good. Uh, Anthony Brown, who's fantastically mediocre. A.J. Dillon, who won't be able to walk by week eight. And then a defense that is probably going to be blindbacker-focused and has to replace basically everybody else.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to see. Obviously, I think it's, it's very easy to point to uh, Brown as, like, the, the uh, really the, the tipping point for this team in either direction. Um, there were games where he was, like, really pretty good last year. Um, he's very athletic. He made some big plays, uh, even through the air. Um, like the one thing that made BC kind of work last season was that they hit on mid passing plays because otherwise it was just Dylan trying to do everything um, and often being like not super efficient. Um, I do also wonder if there might be a little bit of addition by subtraction uh, with Scott Leffler leaving. Um, he got the Bowling Green head coaching job, which might have been the least uh, lauded head coaching hire of the, of the, the cycle. Um, I don't think many people will have thought he was very good. Um, And I don't know anything about Mike uh, Bajakian, the Tampa Bay Bucs GB coach, but I do know he's not Scott Loeffler. So,
0: um, also no, he's 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 not a college offense coordinator who could potentially change this offense in any real tangible way.
1: He was apparently the former Tennessee OC. I don't know when that was. Um, I'm going to find out now because that will tell you a lot.
0: You know, will it though? Because I feel like any Tennessee OC in the last like 10 years, it's probably going to tell you the same thing.
1: Thirteen to fourteen. That was was that Dooley.
0: I'm 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 very concerned about this. Uh,
1: I'm looking. Uh, I got
0: a I got a sneaking suspicion this isn't going to work.
1: It's not. It's not the, the best indicator. Um, you could get I, if this was Derek Dooley and the Tennessee Wikipedia page is making it it's hard for me to figure out. Um, if it was Butch, like at least Butch has some history of success. Um. And offensive success. Uh, not that like those first couple years were very good. Uh, no, this is the first years of Butch, so not good years by any means. But he was really rebuilding. Um, yeah, so I, I I don't know what to hmm. make of it. The second year, I guess, I guess the second year he was. There were seven and six, uh, and they won the Tax Slayer Bowl.
0: Oh, so so he's a perfect fit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I came to it right as you started. <laughs> uh
0: yeah he's an absolute perfect fit this is yeah i mean this is a boston college season if i've ever seen one um you beat utah state you get everybody excited then you like kind of sleepwalk past arkansas state and everyone gets a little nervous uh then you get smoked by oklahoma then you spend the next week almost beating a top a top 10 team ish in, in georgia um Oh, they almost no, beat Georgia. No, I well, not like Georgia, but you know, like in general, like you, you, BC would like come close to beating oh, a team that like they shouldn't, and then everyone would go, "Oh my God, BC's like put it together," and then they proceed to lose to every other like good team for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I guess the upside for BC is like it's really just like Clemson and then like a bunch oh. of teams that are relative. And us, I mean, if we're, I don't want to like necessarily put us in the tier above. Like uh, yeah, I I think we all hope that. And as of last year, we looked it. Um, I think we need to prove ourselves a little bit more. Uh, but like Clemson's like the only big big test. Is like, even Florida State like could very well be asking again this year. Um, granted, they're a lot more talented than DC. Yeah, so I, I just don't really know what to make like making this team. It, it uh, like they've just they've they've profiled so similarly over the last couple of years in terms of their style. Um, I just don't know that, that Styles going to break them through this like seven and six, seven and five malaise they've been in. Um, the what's it, five of the last six years they've won seven games?
0: Yes. They, amazingly.
1: And I just wonder, like, when do we hit, like, identity crisis for BC? Like,
0: Oh, I think they're there. I think the fans are there already.
1: Yeah. Like, I think seven and six isn't necessarily a bad record for a Boston College team on a year-to-year basis, but... But you have to go guess, above
0: it and once in a yeah, while.
1: You need to have some bearing like some thought that like every so often we can really challenge and rise up and like have a year, even if it's every ten years, like being doing the same thing every single season, you have to think like the stars should line up for a special season and even when it's time to look like that might have for B C they fall they totally fall apart and fall back to the pack and they get to this like magic number that they always end up at. So yeah, I, I I don't know. It's better than what we had going on before, like last year, or before like the the signs of like what was to come with Dino. Um,
0: but it's the same I, consternation, though.
1: Yeah, like if this was if this ended up happening with us, like you know, you know, if we settled into this, obviously we have a ten win, what ten win season under our belt, which uh, Adazio does not have. But like, if in another universe, like Schaefer was better and was just settled into like winning seven games every year, I, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be a weird feeling because you don't want to like. You definitely don't want to jump to Dunn if you're a Boston College or a Syracuse or a Wake Forest and fire a guy prematurely. But at some point, you have to have, like, slightly bigger aspirations. Well,
0: I'd rather, like go, I'd rather, like, go five and seven one year and then, like, go eight and five the next.
1: Yeah, I kind of and, agree with that because then at least there's, like, there's a little bit more of, like, the unknown.
0: Yeah. Well, this, well, let me tell you, this is going to be unknown in the fact that uh, that it's going to provide a new variance on the same uh, same, same hits. Um, because we have boy, do we have a schedule? Um, this team could start six and zero, and end zero six. I'm
1: looking at it now. This this uh, schedule is a delight. <laughs> what? It's uh, oof. yeah,
0: wow. I, I mean, I, I'll I'll just do it quick. We won't have to go through wins and losses. I just think uh, Virginia Tech uh, ACC network kickoff game. Uh, Richmond, Kansas at Rutgers, Wake Forest at Louisville. That gets through through October fifth. Um, that's when the first buy happens. After that, um, the rest of the set schedule: NC State at Clemson at Syracuse, Florida State at Notre Dame at Pittsburgh.
1: That's about as backloaded. Like, obviously, you can probably say Virginia Tech should be in the back, like yes. six.
0: Twitch um, them in Pitt, and this thing is is an absolute six and 0, 0 and six split.
1: Yeah, and like, I mean, well. Yes, but like I'm not totally. I could see you could. I you could make the argument they might go a lot worse. Like it depends. Wake is very much a, to, uh, a toss-up game.
0: Oh, they totally go worse. I'm just. I'm just pointing out the most comical way this happens.
1: Yeah, five. Like it's it's pretty hard to argue that five of their six easiest games are to start the year, and then the like the second half is just so much tougher.
0: Just, just, just give me that like number seventeen, Boston College. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Even the home and road splits are brutal. Like they're four or five at the end or on the road.
0: Right, like at like, Clemson, uh,
1: at the dome, at Notre Dame, and at Pitt. Like Pitt's not really a tough place to play, um,
0: yeah, but it's but gonna be like, cold.
1: It'll be cold, yeah. But we've actually, it's not a tough place to play, like on paper. But then, like we've had nightmares at Pitt late in the season, right. um, so it can be, like, it can be for whatever reason. Um, but like the dome, if we're good, we'll be rocking. Clemson obviously is a monster, and Notre Dame's obviously a monster, um, and then then your your home games, NC State's. You know, for whatever whatever like crap we give them, they're like pretty rocks. They're like a slightly better version of what Boston College is every year. And FSU, who knows? But they're talented. And I, I'm not to jump into FSU right now, but like I would struggle to think they'll be as bad as last year. So, yeah, this is uh, this to be a very maddening season.
0: Just um, just put a, just put a seventeen next to next to BC, like around October twelfth, and and let's just enjoy what happens next.
1: BC rolled into the bye week at uh I, I, I still struggle to see them being VotTech. Like
0: no, VotTech's
1: also a total mystery to me. Um and obviously you guys talked about the postal last week, but like I also struggle to think that they're going to have another like the same media per season. So but but you know, it's at home. So like I, I I'm kind of rooting for BC to start know now. Just because of how <laughs> this shake out.
0: <laughs> it yeah, like look, I wanted it to get to the point where they extended ASIO. So, that, if they so, extended
1: Ozzy so, on midseason. That'd be unbelievable.
0: I don't know how they do it. They just extended him two more years.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah.
0: Anyway. What would have uh, to
1: happen for, for them to fire him this year? Four
0: and uh, mm, I think if they miss a bowl game, he's gone, to be honest.
1: Yeah. And there's definitely the path because, like, as we said, Vatek and Wake like, are not, you can't pestle those in. Um, Richmond, I don't know about. Kansas is not going to be competitive yet. Um Rutgers, it's at Rutgers. Another defense had some moments at the end of last year. I don't trust them at all. Um, Louisville, I think will be pretty pretty bad this year. They're in a total rebuild. But if they lose those Votek and Wake games, or even even lose one of them, um, they're they might be in real trouble because there is no. I mean, you can't you can't. They're not going to be over fifty percent to win any of those last six. I don't think.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Unless, um...
1: unless FSU bottoms out again. <laughs> Or pit's just really bad, which could also happen. Um, I don't expect them to be that bad, though. So, no. yeah, this is not, uh, this, is, this is just, this is tough. We've had schedules like this before, not quite this distinct, but uh, not what you want.
0: No, not at all, no matter, no matter how good or bad you are. Um, I'd say we should probably pick up the pace a little bit on the ending team, so congratulations on the VCS episode for once. Um, haven't done that since, like, we joined the ACC. Uh, we mentioned Florida State a few times, so let's uh, let's head over there. Um, Florida State looked like trash last year. Uh, Willie Taggart's already on the hot seat. Um, they d- managed to do close to nothing with Cam Akers because the offensive line was a disaster, as we like, saw firsthand.
1: One of the worst in college football, and not just like Power 5, like all of college football.
0: Yeah, like like mind-blowingly bad. I need to find um,
1: this David Hale stat from today. Um, I will find it as you as you talk because – it was like there. It, it was something about Florida State's offensive line being ranked one thirtieth, but it was like so much worse than that.
0: Oh, I mean, we. I, I mean, like I didn't know what to think of SU's defensive line in that game, just because we just. I mean, we destroyed them. Like Sanford destroyed them. Like the week before that. Like it, th- that that offensive front was a disaster, and and it really derailed what could have been like an interesting taggered offense. Um, and unfortunately, it also led to them bringing in, um, you know, Kendall Bryles, which. Ugh. All
1: right, I'm. Gonna, you know, I, I found it. Go. Rush yards before contact, before first contact on first and second down in designed runs against the FBS. So, um, against all, and this isn't even at Stanford, because Stanford played them really tough against the FBS. Florida State on the total season. This isn't on average. This is not. This is raw numbers. Hundred thirtieth in the country. They had two total rush yards before first contact and first and second down all year. This the 129th wow. team, the one team above them was San Jose State, who was really bad last year. 186. They were That's amazing. They were Yeah, that's so basically running backs had nothing. They had nowhere to go. And Cam Akers is awesome. Um the year before, like they weren't nearly as bad. Cam Akers really showed what he could do. He was a five star for a reason. He, I, he terrifies, he terrifies me. Still, he had such so little help. He, they, they, they managed two yards all year before first contact the first and second down. If you can't establish any kind of run early in uh, early in drives, and I know coaches tend to run too too often on first down and whatnot, but you still want to be able to run the ball early in drives if you can. Early in sets of downs, that is abysmal. Um, the the uh, and then he went on to say ESPN stats on yards before contact about 2011 for Power Five teams. In that span, only one other team has ever had less than 200 in a season on first and second down versus FBS. The 2014 Wake Forest team, which Syracuse should remember, horrendous team. Um, I think we smacked them in the mouth, and we were bad. Um, Wasn't
0: that like the 30-7 game? I think so. Down um, in Winston-Salem? I think it was at that game.
1: I think, yeah, it was when we injured, like, everybody. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I- ever had, want
0: to do against Wake Forest.
1: <laughs> and they really couldn't run the ball. Um, their quarterback player was actually okay when they were healthy, which was not that often. Their running game was non-existent. They had 111 um, rushing yards before first contact on first and second down. Florida State had two. So, and this Florida State team is littered with five-star players. Um, so that's just so bad. It's like that's un, like, inconceivably bad.
0: So, I mean, obviously it's going to be better. Um, the defense is going to be pretty <laughs> good. The defense uh, should be pretty
1: good. They're really solid up the middle.
0: Yeah, like they actually recruit – I mean, Florida State has classically recruited really well in the front seven in particular. But, I mean, really overall on defense, they've done a really nice job. But I think this team, uh, particularly like Marvin Wilson, is, is you know one of the best defensive tackles, if not the best defensive tackle in the uh, in the entire conference. Uh, I think this group is going to be really one to watch. Um, but, Dan, how much of a difference do you think Kendall Bryles makes in terms – like does this offense go from like 128th to like – Seventy fifth, or, or or are we looking at like some gradual progress to maybe like ninetieth, or, or 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 are they going to surpass all that and, and be a top fifty offense this year?
1: Um, top seventy, top sixty sounds like a pretty easy. Like they can accomplish that. They have enough talent. Um, the offensive line can't be as bad as it was last year. Like I, I just I can't envision a scenario in which they're as bad. They have a lot of injury issues, and they have like a a a strange cir- like amount of things happened for them to be that bad last year. So I trust that they'll do better just kind of by osmosis, to be honest. Um Kendall Bryles for all of the off field nonsense and the fact that he's even has jobs right now is kind of ludicrous. Um is a very good offensive coach. Uh he will drop a I mean that's like it's a desperation move and um I think it's probably a desperation move that Tagger needed to make because he was on the hot seat after one year. Um fair or not. Um so I do think they'll do better I'm not a huge uh, buyer on on Blackman. Uh, I thought he was okay a couple of years ago in that tough like sits and sits season, and got thrown in in like kind of a weird spot. But he's just never blown me away. Um, unfortunately, like Francois, who a couple of years ago looked like he was going to be maybe like a Heisman candidate down the road, just kind of fell apart. Um, he's transferred out, so I think Blackman's steady um acres is awesome if you can get that running game going to like an actual good place acres is a game changer um i'm not convinced the running game will get that much better just because it was a line something such a bad place that like obviously if they get up to like just subpar that'll be an improvement i just don't know if they can take like a huge huge step but he'll make some things happen um so i think they'll get a good amount better on offense i don't know if it's going to be good enough to like get back to like nine wins or anything though i think I think Florida State fans need to be like kind of keep things into perspective and like if they win seven or eight games, they might have to take that as like a pretty good outcome. And I don't know if they will.
0: Yeah, I mean I think Florida State most Florida State fans I've talked to are pretty like realistic. I think they're like hoping for seven or eight this year. I could see seven or eight. Um it really like I think we're gonna know a lot, to be honest, in that first five game stretch. Um you got Boise, ULM, at Virginia, Louisville, NC State at home. Like, I think if you're, I think if you're three and two, you're getting really nervous. If you're two and three, you're screwed. Um, and and, and two and three is very much on the table here, um, because you got Clemson after that. So, yeah, re- realistically, like, I think that September stretch is going to tell you all you need to know. If they're four and one or better. Um. After that September stretch, then you know this is this is a team that could potentially be looking at eight or nine wins. But uh, I'm not totally I'm not totally sold just yet. I I think I need to I need to see everything in action first.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting early stretch. Um, they should be Monroe. They should be Louisville. But um, versus Boise. Uh, Boise. I don't know. They're going to be like a classic Boise team, but I think they'll be pretty good and one of the better uh group of fives. We talked about them a couple weeks ago. Um. That's a really nice first test. Like you'll learn a lot in that game just by itself. And then UVA, who is the is a slight favorite, in the Coastal. Um, they're on the road at UVA on the 14th. So uh, those two of those first three games are going to be legit, legit tests, but not ones that a a good Florida State team can't overcome. So if they start like three or four now, oh, going into the NC State game before the Clemson game, yeah, maybe. It, maybe it looks like Florida State's kind of getting back to where they should be and, and will be right in the midst of that, like, number two spot in the Atlantic behind Clemson. Um, if they drop one of, like – if they drop, like you said, if they drop two, or two of the UVA, NC State, Boise State games, it's going to be kind of tough to look at them as, like, back to that next tier in the ACC just because, like, those are teams that Florida State classically would beat even if they weren't, like, a great Florida State team. Um, so, yeah, I think this uh, – If if they're like you said, three and two or worse uh, through five, like it's going to get pretty hairy for for Taggart because then after that, at Clemson at Wake, like they should beat Wake, but that's not like the easiest trip we've we've seen Wake give them trouble before. Then they have us at home, and then Miami at home, not easy back to back, um, and and then they end at Florida. So like this is not an easy schedule by any stretch.
0: No, not at all. Moving on a little bit to another team that has some, some hot and cold stretches. And, you know, it I kind of mentioned them earlier with BC, but has that kind of talent question of, like, how many guys can you turn into NFL players and still not really get past, like, that 8-9 win barrier. Um, NC State replaces their quarterback, their running back, most of their receivers, most of the line. Um, enough defenders, but I, I think there, there, there are a lot more guys returning on the defensive end. I think that that's a group that could that played pretty well last year and I think could take that next step and could go back into being like a top 35 to 40 group this year. Uh, I don't necessarily buy. I was never, I never thought Ryan Finley was like this world beater. Um, Even though like preseason magazine seemed to think he was every year. And then the numbers seem to indicate that he was in hindsight. Um, I think he was still good enough though, that he like kept his ship kind of floating in the right direction. And now I'm not so sure um, they'll be able to do that. I think that they've been able to up the talent level a little bit under Dave Dorn, so that's good for them. Uh, but realistically, like this is a team that could take a potential step back. I don't necessarily think they're they're probably the same. They're, they're at a higher level of talent wise in Syracuse, but I don't think they're at a higher level coaching wise um, than Syracuse is. And obviously, like promoting George McDonald to a co offense coordinator, it's just you you just signed your own death certificate.
1: Yeah, the, the offensive questions, I think, are just going to be too much here. To Like, obviously, they might still be a bowl team. I don't see them being, like, amazing. We're all competing for being right one spot below Clemson. We've had that honor last year. Um, but I just don't see them really being in the mix unless, like, a lot works out for them on offense. Because, like you said, they lost, what, two all-conference linemen. They lost Finley. They lost uh, a good chunk of their best offensive weapons. Defensively, they should be good, but they weren't a great defense last year. They were solid, and maybe they take a step forward as an experienced team. Um, and then they also lost their coordinator in Drinkwitz, who is now the head coach at Appalachian State, filling in for Scott Satterfield, Louisville's new head coach. So they're a nice little Atlantic rotation there. Um, George McDonald, I don't know if he's going to be a play caller, but I, I certainly hope he is. Um, but it, you know, Drinkwitz, I think, did a pretty solid job there. He was a kind of a surprising head coaching hire. He's very young, um, but that, that's just a, when you lose your coordinator on top of like you could argue probably your six or seven most important offensive players all in one year coming off of like, you know, a, a decent season. Um, that's a lot like that. That's there. That, there's just no, there's no guarantee you're going to be able to plug all those holes satisfactorily. Um, so they have a lot of questions. Uh, and, and like, obviously we, we are kind of residency state haters. Um, we've never been super impressed by them, even like in years where they've, they've been up on juice. Um and and they they have some an interesting start to the year as well. They have uh, I, don't know, I think ECU will probably be a walkover because they have a new coaching staff and they've been bad for so long. But West Virginia in week three on the road, Florida State in week five on the road, then Houston in week six. Like that's not a super easy start either.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really see how this goes well for them. So I, I think that seven and five, eight and four potentially. It really depends on what we do, what Florida State does. Like that's gonna like I think they're in that same band. Um, I really think, like, you know, people are kind of high on Wake at times, and, like, I, I just think that they take too much of a step back talent-wise, and, like, we can kind of transition to there. But, like, I think that NC State, Florida State, and Syracuse are kind of, like, the top contenders for that, that second spot, with, with Florida State and SU maybe having a little bit of a leg up.
1: Yeah. The one thing State does have is after the Clemson game on the ninth, they cruise. They have Louisville and Georgia Tech, um, who are probably the two worst teams in the ACC this year, uh, and then they finish with uh, UNC at home and UNC might be a little bit, uh, they probably should be better than they were last year, but they also have uh, a new coaching staff with Matt Brown there. Um, those might be the three worst teams in the ACC, honestly, to end the year. So if they can kind of survive and get, you know, obviously if they have three wins, they'll, they will hopefully fight for, for bowl eligibility for them. Um, but like if they, if they can pick up some wins earlier on, uh, they should, you know, at least intend for seven or eight wins. But that's what they've been doing the whole time. And, and, you know, It's not the same thing as BC. I don't think Doran's in any real trouble. They've been better than BC on average, but um, it's tough to like have that Ryan Finley era and have uh, as much offensive talent as they have. And then, you know, you never quite got better than like the nine and four third place finish last year.
0: So yeah, we don't really need to talk much about Clemson. Everyone knows they're probably going to go undefeated. Uh, Texas A&M's best team on the schedule. Syracuse, the best team on the conference schedule, potentially. Um, there's not a lot of team. I mean, no team in the ACC has the talent that they do. Uh, Florida state is, and Miami are probably the closest. Um, they're really good. They might be the, they might be the best team. Even if Alabama is the best program, um, or at least has the most talent on the roster. In the case of the Crimson Tide, um, Clemson's a national title contender and maybe the national title favorite, depending on who you ask. Uh, and, and, that's fine. That, that gives us an opportunity to maybe knock them off in week three. And if we don't, actually you could still have a pretty damn good season even without that win. So uh, I don't really think we need to say anything else about Clemson. Do you, Dan?
1: Nope. They're great. Trevor Lawrence is great. Like he's the determining factor, whether they're going to be better than Alabama, but that's really the question is do you have Clemson or do you have Bama? Um, their defense is a little bit of a question mark because they entered. I mean, last year they had just such a crazy uh, amount of talent on the front. There was a lot of that. The front seven is pretty rebuilt. Um, but offensively, they're just going to be just disgusting. So uh, they, have maybe the best, they have maybe the best quarterback, maybe the best uh, running back, um, one of the two best receiving cores, along with Alabama. So, yeah, it's it's I just can't conceive of a real way in which they don't win the ACC um, and make the playoff. Uh, I think you can talk yourself into either Clemson or Bama for the title, but I think in all likelihood that's what we're going to be looking at at the end of the season yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I don't think it's worth quarreling about it for any reason. <laughs> Next up, a team that probably has a few more uh, potential wins and losses on the schedule, well, at least potential losses, uh, the Wake Forest team and Deacons. The, the Deeks have made three straight bowls for the first time in school history. Uh, congrats to them. Dave Clawson has not been hired away yet, which is still baffling to me, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of it, too, is because he doesn't really have like a, a set like geographic area. Um, His rebuild jobs have been kind of everywhere, uh, and that makes him, I guess, less of a sure thing potentially if a big SEC job or a Pac-12 job potentially wanted to hire him. But admittedly, as we've talked about before, like P5, poaching P5 jobs, it's not necessarily like a thing as often as people might like to think. Um, This year in particular, I think Wake has slightly better talent than than Syracuse maybe up and down the roster and has has probably built depth – quicker because of their exposure to North Carolina talent. But at the same time, like I think SU probably has better top level talent and that's why they, they have a little bit of an advantage right now. I think Dino and, and are probably similarly good coaches. Dino just has an ability to maybe get the thing off and running quicker or better. Um, And that's without getting to like a philosophical question about, you know, which of these two approaches, which are very similar uh, you would prefer. Um, But yeah, Wake, replaces most of the defense they replace most of the line they replace most of the receivers greg dorch and alex backman are both out Uh, matt colburn their second leading rushers out Uh, sam hartman and jamie newman uh newman used to be a syracuse target at one point actually uh i think hartman's probably the quarterback but people seem to be pretty high on newman too Uh, in general though i don't I don't see how Wake goes better than seven and five, but I, I've I've been wrong about the Deeks before. However,
1: yeah, I think Wake's actually one of the more interesting teams in the division. Um, like I said, they lose a good amount from last year, especially in the still positions. Uh, I'm pretty high on Hartman. I'm very high on Tate Carney, uh, the running back. Um, Sage Surratt's also very good at receiver. Um, not he's not Brett Dortch, who was like super underrated. Um, but I, I think they're. Uh, I think like you said, Colossus has done a really incredible job. And um, I think the fact that they gave him a lot of room to work and let, allowed him to really rebuild at his own pace is probably benefited them in, uh, in not losing him or not really like, he hasn't really even come up for other jobs. Um, and that's because I think that there hasn't been like a big splash at Lake Forest. They just were really, really bad when he got the job and they were really, they were still pretty bad for the first like three or four years. And he just kind of steadily got them to where they are, you know, a pretty decent program now. Uh, I don't know how much higher their ceiling is, but um, I think the fact that he was kind of able to do this at a at a reasonable pace um, versus, like, obviously I think Dan, Dino has, has had plenty of rope, and if they hadn't had the 10-1 season last year, I think he'd still be here unless they, like, totally cratered. Um, but, like, Syracuse really blew up on the spot. And even, like, even like uh, I think Klaassen and Doran probably get prepared a lot because they're in the same state and same division. Um Doran just has, I think, a higher ceiling at state, but I would almost argue that Claussen has done like a better job there and oh, without a doubt his, at his job. And Doran's the one who almost at the time he had did he turn down Tennessee last year? He was at least in consideration.
0: He was in I consideration.
1: Think, yeah, I think he might have turned down Tennessee because everyone did. Um so it's it's interesting that he hasn't gotten more looks, but like you said, there aren't that many P five poaching uh situations. I definitely think of a school team, like Wake only has so many resources that uh, they're willing to commit to, to it. But, um, yeah, I, I think this is actually – I'm probably a little higher on them this year. I think uh, some of the offensive guys they have stepping in are pretty talented. I, I have questions about their defense. And um, last season they really struggled to get after the quarterback. And if that continues, like, in this league with some of the quarterback play they might see this year, um, especially with Lawrence, with if DeVito ends up being what we think he'll be, um, even Blackman, uh, that could be a real issue.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wake really hasn't had much of a pass rush of late. Um, Carlos Basham's probably your best bet this year. Uh, Justin Sternad's a really good linebacker. But realistically, like Wake's strength in recent seasons has come from the uh, defensive backs um, and, and some really, really good players in that area of the field. I, I think you know what, what Wake has done, just like Syracuse has done, is like scheduled really smart. Um, you see the same sort of teams on the schedule every year, and Wake takes it one step further than Syracuse in the fact that they schedule out a good six to ten years and you know who they're facing and it's a lot of rice and elon and utah state and tulane and, and all these schools that like some of them share like some similar like ideals with, with with wake in terms of like tulane and rice um utah state just seems like a weird series that they're both like fine with which whatever that's cool um you just for some reason with wake you don't have pit fans chirping about um you know deceiving what when when lost records and things like that but like you know what i, I think I think this is an interesting schedule for Wake. I just think the road games, um, you know, BC, Vatek, Clemson, Syracuse, like all of those are tough. And if you go, you know, one and three, own four um, against that group in conference, like I, and, and looking at the fact that like, you know, you also have Florida state. You also have what could be a pesky North Carolina team, potential research Duke team, like the NC state game. I could see even a, even a slightly improved Wake Forest team, you know, only going like 6 and 6 7 and 5 and that's fine. I mean, at some point yeah, I guess they have to take some sort of step, but they don't have the same antsiness necessarily that uh that like Boston College does about that.
1: Uh yeah, I think I think Wake's in a different place than BC was. They are I think the rebuild is a little fresher than uh what BC did. Um I do think the schedule does allow them uh, a pretty good amount of work to run, like you said. Utah State I think is is actually kind of a a frisky opener, but then rice has been bad for a while. UNC is still figuring themselves out. Elon, they should pick up all those three at is, uh, you know, obviously that big rivalry, very heated. Um, but that's a winnable game. Then Louisville, like they could, they could put up four or five wins in the first half of year. And then you got to steal a couple, uh, Duke, uh, Vatek, who knows what they're going to be. Um, so the, the end of here, it's not quite the, uh, it's not quite the first half second half as BC, but you know, there is a little bit of a kind of a similar breakdown here, where their last six are, are much tougher. Um, but I also think like you know Wake Forest is going to be okay with whatever happens here, as long as they don't crater. I don't think they will. I think they're they're probably going to be floating in with the five to seven win range. Um, but that might be a little better even than than what some people expect, considering what they did lose on offense.
0: Yeah, although you know Wake is getting some benefit of doubt votes. Um, at least from some pundits. Um, moving on, the last and least um, in the Atlantic Division, the, uh, the Louisville Cardinals, who made a really good hire in uh, Scott Satterfield, but it might take a year or two to uh, to reap the rewards of that um, really good hire. They uh, the covered like more bare than you would have thought, considering we're only like a couple years removed from like Lamar Jackson. But then when you remember that Bobby Petrino didn't really do much with Lamar Jackson. Um, you, 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 quickly see like how things got to this point. So very, very rapidly at Louisville. Look,
1: that first year, the, the highest year for Lamar, that team was very good. The, uh, well, the offense is very good. Um, last, the second year of Lamar as starter, like he was covering up all kinds of works and he was almost like, he almost got underrated because his numbers were almost as good. And he had a lot less to work with. And that really revealed itself last year because that was one of the worst, uh, ACC teams I can remember. And Louisville has some, like, serious advantages. And Bob Pacino, like, was a very good coach for a long time, including the second door round at Louisville. Like, you never think that it's going to bottom out the way it did. Um, that was, that was like, next-level bad.
0: The, the, like, this is the worst ACC ago. team since, like, those early Cutcliffe squads.
1: Yeah, and Louisville is, like, you know, a really respectable program that recruits well. Like, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, that being said, I thought they made a nice hire. It was not the obvious one, like I, I, I don't think Satterfield was like in that first group, but I think he, you know, is just as good as a lot of the names that were being uh, thrown out there. He built uh, Appalachian State into like one of the better uh, G 5s um and like kind of in mean, the he's right, he was from ACC territory, obviously coming from Boone. Um, I would I think he'll translate to Louisville pretty well. I think they do need like two seasons though, because the tupper there is very very bare. Um, in ways that you wouldn't think, but a lot of the time, like even with like what we saw at Florida State, um, at the end of Fisher into uh, Taggart, like those of us who aren't at the, with the program or aren't covering the program on a day to day basis, like don't don't see the kind of bottoming out that some of these programs have sneakily. Um, and that was definitely the case of Louisville. Like there was a clear like rot in the in the foundation of that program. Uh, even that second to last year where Jackson was just kind of pulling them along. So um, they're probably going to be pretty bad again. I think there is a little bit of talent here. Um, the quarterbacks, uh, I think pass and Cunningham are both like interesting. Um, and they have some receivers that are, that are you know decent. Uh, so maybe they can get some kind of passing game going, but the rest of the, uh, the rest of the team, I just don't expect much from. Um, I think this is going to be kind of like one of those early Babers years, um, probably even more dire, but, Like, you just hope to, like, look more, like, even, like, the first Moroni, like, you just hope you look more competitive. And, like, you hope that that the things, like, don't really jump off the page, but, like, you look at it and see it and, like, all right, this is definitely better. And hopefully in in 2021, we'll start to really see these seeds kind of uh, show fruit.
0: Right. Yeah, I I mean, I I think that, you know, Baber's system was, well, I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at, like, Babers inherited something that was like kind of broken down to the studs, even with but it had like some really key pieces, and he was able to plug those into a system. Um, Satterfield and most coaches don't bring a system necessarily uh, to the table. Louisville also, you know, having to replace a lot uh, on the offensive line, not necessarily having a run game, like don't necessarily fit Scott Satterfield's system uh, to the extent that he would like being more of a run heavy coach. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that they're able to get off and running. I think that the Passing game might have to play a larger role uh, than maybe he'd like. Something that Syracuse fans should probably relate to, given how Dino wanted to implement more run-heavy uh, principles than perhaps you know SU had the the uh, ability to do early on. I think defensively there are some pieces there, uh, but realistically it's like CJ Avery and maybe a couple of the guys that are like worth a damn. And everybody else is uh, is probably going to be like learning on the fly. You could see by midseason like a bunch of you know sophomores, maybe some like redshirt freshmen start jumping off the depth chart um, just to get more meaningful reps, and maybe you know just start, start like cycling out a little bit. Um, some of the guys who just aren't necessarily fits for what they're trying to do on the defensive end. So I think a I think an improved Louisville team could still have like a ceiling of like four wins.
1: Yeah, it, this is another one where it's going to they're not come early because. Uh, this is just, this is a brutal first year schedule for Satterfield, man. Notre Dame to open, who should be very good. They're obviously taking off a playoff uh, berth. Um, Eastern Kentucky, I, I imagine, will be an easy win. Oh uh, well, actually, I don't know, but uh, I, I I trust them to beat that team. Western Kentucky is really bottomed out. Um, they're not good. They have a new coach, um, so I think they'll probably pick up that one too. Florida State is going to really want this game bad, um, just as like they need to pick up wins like this. And then BC at Wake versus Clemson versus UVA at Miami, like they might have gotten the two toughest coastal teams. Uh, and then at Hughes versus Syri- uh, at NC State versus Hughes at Kentucky. Like, I'd be surprised if they won more than one of those last like six, or, seven, or eight.
0: Yeah, I think that's totally fair.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. I think they're gonna probably beat uh, Eastern Kentucky, and they're probably gonna beat Western Kentucky, and that might be it. But maybe they coach BC or, or Wake or or uh, if NC State bottoms out or something. But yeah, I mean it's it's not this is not the schedule to rebuild with. But they, I don't know what schedule even in the ACC um, <laughs> would have been uh, much easier. Aside from if you just got like a, a better draw from the Coastal.
0: Right. All right. Well, said, we won't be talking about Syracuse in depth on this episode. Uh, I think we'll just mention them here now. Um, Dan, what is your predicted finish in this division?
1: Um, I'm going to go Clemson one, Syracuse two, Florida State three. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to Wake four. I'm going I'll, to. I'll be uh, the the Lions' family Homer there. Um, <laughs> and then I'll go. Uh, let's go, NC State five, BC six, Wake uh, not Wake uh, Louisville seven.
0: Right. Yeah, I got something pretty similar. I got Clemson 1, Syracuse 2, uh, I got Florida State 3, uh, NC State 4, Wake 5, BC 6, and Louisville 7.
1: Yeah, so we're just slipping those 4 and 5s.
0: Yeah, and realistically, that 3 through 6, like, not that I think Syracuse is more talented than the four, than the four th- uh, 3 through 6, Sorry, but I think that the record-wise, that SU just manages the right draws across Division 2. Kind uh, of what I last year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Potentially get to like a five and three record and everybody else kind of hanging around four and four.
1: Yep. I totally buy it. And obviously we'll go into more detail on QS next week, the big juice breakdown. Uh, and for the first time, like uh, this will not be uh faith that evidence as you know, like say for the first couple of years, there's, there's evidence.
0: There's and a lot so of I'll evidence and think. now we're going to have to talk ourselves out of Well, last year. I have to re-listen last year's evidence. Didn't you and I like, Say we could have talked ourselves into like something much better than like the six and six, seven and five that we were like predicting. I think we like saw a pathway
1: to it, but I I don't even think we would have been. No, I mean I, I, nine wins was like insane. You know, everything goes right, and I guess to a point, everything did go right. But like, we could have done better. Even like, we could have beaten Clemson, obviously. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a much different preview than I think we used to. Like, I think we we're usually pretty, you know, I'd say. Cautiously optimistic when it comes to these things, uh, but, but pretty realistic. And and this year, like, you know, we, we know what the ceiling is now. We, we have a much, it's, we're in a much different place, which is nice. Uh, it'll be nice to say like, oh man, here's how we can win 11. And that's one more than last year. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, granted in our, uh, in a why Syracuse finishes series next week, uh, from Monday through Friday, we're not going past nine. Um, I'm, some people are going to be pissed off about that. Um, I'm just counting for the fact that we are replacing some quarterbacks, some offensive linemen, and linebacker. Um, last year's most accurate prognosticator, my dog James, will be taking on the why we finished ten and two post because again, he was last year's most accurate prognosticator about Syracuse football, um, picking a nine and three, no, sorry, picking an eight and four season, which we ended up going ten and three in. Um he was as close as anybody got. This year he won't be. Um, I know that uh, Bruce Feldman over at uh, the Athletic picked us to go ten and two and seven and one in the ACC, which means he has us losing to Maryland. Which is odd. I mean, mean, I'll I'll, I'll take ten and two.
1: But um, we go ten and two and not losing to Maryland. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yes. Um, I think everyone at the Athletic picked us to finish finish second. I think the other two were like nine and three. So um, we definitely we have we're definitely in a much different place than we have been in a long, long time, which is nice. I, I appreciate it.
0: Agreed, agreed. Well, uh, everybody, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, on Stitcher, on Spotify, any other place you listen to podcasts. Be sure to listen next week when we're talking all Syracuse football start to finish. Uh, it'll be our annual preview bonanza. Um, it's probably going to go at least an hour um, as these preview episodes normally do. But uh, looking forward to doing it uh, next week. And uh, go Orange. Go Orange.